join with me in Philippians chapter 4, please. We're going to have a, a first of two parts in our uh, message tonight as we look at stewarding our thoughts. Uh, you've heard the expression, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Isn't that true? And one of the most tragic wastes of the mind can be allowed when we get them to filled with negative thoughts or even worry, you know, it just eats us alive. And today we face a battleground of the mind like none other. In the battle for the soul of man, we see that uh, the primary talk, target is to conquer the mind and the thoughts of man. And so as we consider that, Paul gives us some great instruction in Philippians chapter 4. Because we see that even as believers, we're not immune uh, to wrong thinking. And so he tells us what we can think on, what we should consider and imagine, and all that needs to be brought, all that comes in our mind needs to be brought into obedience of Jesus Christ. For we realize that our thought life is one of the primary battlegrounds for our lifestyle. As a matter of fact, when I was a student at BBC, I had a professor, uh, Brother Joe Gleason, who, who said uh, he taught us a principle that I still carry with me uh, called Tao. Uh, T-A-A-L, it's not a word, but it's something he, uh, he shared with us, and that acrostic stands for your thoughts lead to your attitude, and when your attitude changes, it changes your actions, and when your actions change, it changes your lifestyle. And so it all begins with the mind, and so Paul teaches here uh, in Philippians for this, the vital importance of making sure that we guard our thought life. We're called to think. And be even, even in our thought lives to be good stewards of all that passes through our mind. The Christians at Philippi knew great levels of stress and they could easily uh, have allowed worry and fear to overwhelm them and, and overwhelm their thoughts. But in this text, Paul gives them an alternative. So there are always two ways to respond to stress, right? There's a negative ways and positive ways. A negative way is to be critical of others, to hide in your work or expect some sympathy from other people, to maybe to turn to substances uh, or to have no balance or margin. And these are negative ways uh, that we often deal with stress in our life. But there's a positive way as well. And this is what Paul is teaching in, in the book of Philippians, and that is simply renew your mind. And that's really uh, the call here. And I just want to just begin in verse number 4 as we read verses 4 through 9 together, realizing we probably won't get to uh, share all of the truths from, uh, from these verses tonight. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be uh, known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do... And the God of peace shall be with you. Let's pray together. Father, we just want to thank you for our text of Scripture tonight. Thank you for uh, the, the call to put on the right kind of thoughts and to steward what we allow to pass through our mind. And Lord, I just pray that you would uh, encourage us, Lord, in these moments, uh, especially believers tonight, that we would choose to put on the mind of Christ. Lord, I, I'm just reminded of uh, chapter 2 and verse 5 where he says, Let this mind be in you. And so we have this calling, and we pray that you would just uh, allow the truths from your word to, uh, to drive deep in our heart and make a change, Lord, in our thought process. Thanks for all you've done and the power we have through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 
In Philippians 4, 4 through 9, we see that God is teaching us about the biblical thinking in stressful times. Is, is life stressful at times? Okay, a couple of us have experienced a few stressful moments in life, amen. And whether it be health-related, whether it be COVID-related, or whether it be some other thing, we know that stressful times will happen in life. In Romans chapter 12, in verse number 2, God reminds us, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so our thoughts uh, are vital here, and what we think about is important in our life. And so our thoughts can create types of emotions. And a matter of fact, both physical responses can uh, result as a, uh, as a result of that. Matter of fact, a person that dwells on hurtful, harmful thoughts will experience times of restlessness. In the Peanuts cartoon, Charlie Brown uh, is contemplating life, and he was laying in bed one night, and he says, Sometimes I lay awake at night, and I ask, Where have I gone wrong? Then a voice says, uh, says to me, This is going to take a lot more than one night. You know, in the United States, honestly, if you look at the percentage, 5 to 10% of adults are currently experiencing symptoms of depression. 25% will suffer from it at some point in their life. It is one of the prime, most uh, common conditions addressed by primary care physicians today. At any given time, approximately 15% of adults are taking an antidepressant medication and to the cost of $13.5 billion per year. Now, these statistics are pre-2020, so I can only imagine what they are after this year. Studies reveal, though, that depression is not just a worldly problem. It cuts across religious and non-religious ties. That, that means in a church of 200 adults, there's 30 people taking antidepressants right now. And 50 people will experience major depression sometime during their lifetime. So, what can we do? Paul gives us the remedy and helps us quite a bit because studies show that changing your thinking is one of the best cures for stress. We've often fallen prey to an unbiblical thinking that uh, we cannot control our thoughts or we must simply uh, deal with what comes through and you know, it's, we, there's no way to control. But biblical thinking is learning to change your thoughts through, through the scriptures. So how does God want us to think? That's what we're going to answer tonight. And so we see five ways, five thoughts, processes in our life that we want to adopt so that we can steward our thought processes. And we won't get through them all tonight, but I want you to just uh, to take some notes to be able to, to, to gather this. At probably at some point in our life, we're going to need to remember these things. The very first thing we see in verse number four, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Think with praise. The word rejoice is from the, the Greek word uh, charo, which means to be glad. Joy is not an emotional response to circumstances. It is a chosen response to the unchanging nature of God. Let me just repeat that again. Joy is a chosen response to the unchanging nature of God. Even in adverse circumstances, we can choose to rejoice when we remember who we worship. When the apostles were arrested, they were tried, they were beaten by the Pharisee. And in Acts chapter 5 and verse 41, we see that they responded with rejoicing. It says, and they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And so how could anyone go from, through something so tragic as being beaten and yet come out on the other side rejoicing 
Let me just tell you, it's because of the object of their praise. I want to just remind you tonight, and just to take a moment and contemplate who we worship. When you think about God, and this is where I want some feedback tonight. When you think about God, what comes to your mind? Just shout it out. Peace. Someone said grace. Holy. All-powerful. He's a creator. Someone else said something. Love. Instant knowledge. Someone said faith. You know, faithful. Okay, thank you. We think about the Lord, and sometimes we, have, we serve a God. But we can't measure God, can we? The Bible says in Isaiah that he measures the universe with a span of his hand. We serve a mighty God. In Ephesians 3.20, we're reminded that, that God is the one who can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. The problem is, is not that we have big problems. The problem is that we have a small God. How big is your God tonight? A.W. Tozer said this. He said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever risen above its religion. And man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has been greater than its idea of God. Worship is pure or, or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God Himself. And the most portentous fact about any man is not what he uh, at any given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. Who is God to you? Now, I'm not saying who is, in, who is He, but I'm asking you how big is He? Do you serve a mighty God or do you serve a little God? Deuteronomy chapter 10 and 21 says, He is thy praise and He is thy God that hath done for thee great, these great and terrible things which thine eyes have seen. And, and as Moses reminds the people of Israel, says, listen, look back over your history and see all that God has done for you. You serve a mighty God. And as you go into the promised land, let me remind you that the same God that was with you then is still with you today. And so, church, let me remind you, let's get a great big view of God. Let's not keep Him little, but let's make Him ginormous. Let's make sure that the God that we serve is the God who calls a missionary and provides for the missionary and takes the missionary to the field and allows them to see great and mighty things. Let's make sure that the, the, the God that we serve is the one that says, listen, I'm going to start tithing and just trusting God that He's going to take care of everything in my life. I know He can. That's what we're talking about. And so your understanding of God will de determine your ability to praise Him in the storms of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. We sing that song, amen? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. We sing that, but really, if you see God as insignificant, you see God as small and without any, any major effect in your life, then you will find it difficult to praise God in the storm and for the storm. If you, like Job, recognize the size and scope of God as being beyond your understanding, then when you go through your trial, you'll be able to say like Job did in Job 1.20 and verse 21. Then Job arose, rent his mantle, and shaved his head and found it, fell down upon the ground, and he worshipped. And he said, Naked came I out of my mother's room, and naked shall I return thither the Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The object of his praise led Job to praise no matter what may have fallen him. Remember, he had lost children, he'd lost livelihood, he'd lost finances and fortunes, and all of these things were gone. And, and in his life, he was saying, God, you've given, you've taken away, but I'm still going to bless your name. How big is your God? 
Job chapter 42 and verse 2 says, I know that thou canst do everything. This is the end of it. This is at the very end of Job. This is what he confesses. Thou canst do everything, and no thought can be withholden from thee. Man, that's the God that he served, but how big is your God? If you're serving a small God, then COVID, cancer, financial problems, these things seem insurmountable. But if you serve a mighty God, then you recognize that these are little and insignificant in the face of Almighty God. Choose to praise the mighty God tonight. Choose to say, God, even in the midst of this, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord always. Now let's look at the opportunities we have for praise. Not just the object, because we could spend all night talking about God, but I want to talk about opportunities we have as well. Because rejoicing in the Lord is choosing to remember and to focus on God's unchanging attributes. God hasn't changed, remember? Circumstances change, but God never does. Hebrews 13.8 reminds us Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can trust Him. We know that He's going to be the same. Malachi reminds us of the same truth. And so if our focus is on Jesus Christ and His attributes and His blessings and, and what He's able to do, then we can rejoice in Him in, at all times. Psalms chapter 20, verse number 5 says, We will rejoice in thy salvation, and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Listen, let's rejoice. Think about what God has done for you in your life. And I, I know what was going to happen to me before Jesus Christ, and I was on my way to hell, but praise God, as a child, He introduced me to Himself, and I, I, just, I knew I needed to be saved, and God allowed me to, to be saved as a little boy. Man, what a difference he's made in my life. And then even when I strayed away from him, I just remember the loving hand of the chastening Lord that we have, and he came along beside me, and, and he gave me a spiritual spanking. Anybody had some of those? And out of love, he brought me to, back to himself when I was in rebellion. That's the God that we serve today. Man, there's great reasons to rejoice. Now, in the midst of that, you may think, this is no time to praise. But every opportunity we have is an opportunity to praise I remind you that when you have the salvation of Jesus Christ, that is God's greatest gift to you. So in your darkest hour, retreat, retreat to that place where God sent His only begotten Son to die for you and gave up the glories of heaven so that you can enjoy uh, heaven for yourself. He died for you. Psalms 27 and verse number 8, it says, The Lord is my strength and my shield my heart trusted in Him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song will I praise Him. Lift up your song in praise. Spurgeon said this, when we bless God for mercies, we usually prolong them. When we bless God for miseries, we usually end them. Praise is the honey of life, which a devout heart extracts from every bloom of providence and grace. Let's praise the Lord. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. Someone once said, laughter and anxiety cannot coexist. And so uh, the proverb says it like this, laughter uh, doeth good like a medicine. And so we see that God calls us to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. You may be saying, I'll wait until things get better and then I'll find reason to rejoice on the other side. But God says, listen, if you want a reason to rejoice, rejoice now in the midst of the trial. But So he deals with that in verse number 4, and then he says in verse number 5, let your moderation 
be made known unto men, all men. The Lord is at hand. So there's this thinking with praise, but then there's also a thinking with poise. Now the word moderation is translated from the Greek, which means seeming mild, gentle, or sweet reasonableness. It is a contentment. It's a forbearance. It is, it's, this was given in the context of, uh, of uh, Yodius and Syntyche with their personal disputes. And he's saying, listen, let your moderation be known. Let your forbearance be known. Let your, your contentment be known, even in this situation. And so let your good testimony be made known, even in the midst of your trials. Randy Alcorn said, Satan wishes to destroy your faith through suffering. God desires to refine it. And God wants to take our suffering and he wants to take the things, that, the trials that we have and he says, let me show you who I am through all of this. That's the God we serve tonight. Romans chapter 12 has a couple of verses I want to just pull out here because we may suffer for the Lord's sake, but our response is to be gentle. In verse 12, he says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. In verse 21, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Often, instead of trusting in the Lord in the midst of a tragedy, we often react in an effort to trust in self, to defend ourselves. But this will not give us the peace that we seek. Uh, Tozer, once again, I want to quote from him. He says, The heart's fierce effort to protect itself from every slight to shield its touchy honor from the bad opinion of friend and enemy, will never let the mind have rest. Poise or moderation is the reflection of a heart resting in God. Because poise provides rest in God's security. You see, because you, you ever notice in the last few months, I feel like we've just been waiting. It's been a time and a season of waiting, you know, and uh, especially early on when, when everything was shut down. And I just remember uh, having some extra time and uh, just waiting on the Lord. And how, how many of you find Isaiah 31 easy to memorize but hard to practice? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. But really, when we, when we are waiting on the Lord, we're not wasting our time. Waiting time is not wasted time. Waiting on the Lord is a time when we gain the right perspective. He gives us an understanding of our circumstance in relation to our position in God. Hebrews chapter 13, and let me just pull out your position. In verses 5 and 6, he says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And so we see, consider the truth that even in the midst of the trial, we know that, that the faithful attendance of our Father is right there with us through it all. He is gracious enough to walk with us even through every trial that we face. And so it's often when we go through a severe trial that we, that we have to stop. And it's in the ceasing of activity we become sensitive to His presence and His power at work in our lives. In the book of a tremendous, uh, in the middle of a tremendous uh, encouraging read, it's called Off Script, uh, and I would highly recommend reading it. It's by Pastor Kerry Schmidt. Uh, he is the same author of the book Done that we give away to people, um, and it tells about salvation. But he wrote about his walk through cancer uh, in 2009. He shares very candidly all that he went through emotionally. And he writes it from the midst of his cancer treatments. And um, this is what he says, and I quote, After hearing the diagnosis of cancer, he stated, 
We drove to a a local soccer park and walked. Him and his wife, Dana, he said, we held each other. We talked about the journey ahead. We prayed. We wept. We began to call family and friends. A million thoughts were racing through our minds, but someone met us there. A friend came and began speaking peace, resolve, and calm into this off-script experience. The Holy Spirit of God, as real and tangible as another human being, met us in that unsettled moment and began to shape our response with His peace and comfort. You see, He knew that it was in that moment that He needed the Lord more than anything else. And He found rest and peace in that great trial of His life, something probably greater than He'd ever been through before in His life. And He said, Lord, in the midst of this, He found God in the midst of it. We can rest in His security. He offers us every day. Psalm 46 and verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. So be still. Be still because silence increases our sensitivity and it decreases our anxiety. So choose to to daily be still. When you're going through times of great stress and anxiety, choose to be still. Let yourself be sensitive to His presence in your life. But we see poise not only provides rest in His security, but also in His sovereignty. In that same book, Pastor Kerry Schmidt wrote this as he, uh, as he describes how he wanted to rest in the plan of God. He, says, uh, he told his wife, he said, Dana, I don't know what's ahead, but I know a few things. I know we're in the Lord's hands. I know He has a good plan in this. I know we will honor Him. And whatever His will is in my life, I just want to run my race and finish my course. Whatever He plans, we will serve Him and joyfully honor Him. He said, listen, this, our, de- our determination here is to trust in God's plan in this, in this situation. And so when we come to the place that we can rest in God's plan, it is because we recognize that He is Almighty. Even when we don't understand what is happening around us, we can still trust Him. In Job's dark hour, he stated his confidence in God's watch care in his life. In Job 23 of 10, he says, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. He said, yeah, I'm going through a difficult time. Yes, this is a a, a hard time, but I'm thankful that God knows where I'm at. He hasn't forgotten me or forsaken me. And guess what? He's working a work in my life. And that's what he's alive and doing today. Randy Alcorn stated, he said, Your state of mind determines whether the doctrine of God's sovereignty comforts you or it threatens you. Let me just say I love being a dad. Any, any dads in here that are glad they're dead? Amen. Amen. Brother Tim, I, I love to watch uh, him and Kenley together. It's a, it's a lot of fun to watch these young dads and, and these grandpas with their grandkids. It's a lot of fun being a dad. And one of my favorite things about being a dad is I get the opportunity that God gives me to shape and mold and, and uh, to invest in a young life and to help them follow the Lord prayerfully. You see, God's allowed me as, in, in, as, as a 37-year-old man to, to know a little bit more than my three-year-old son. Believe it or not, how many of you believe that? <laughs> no, no one's going to raise a hand. How about that? We're in trouble. 
but I know a little bit more than he does. And, and even my 13-year-old son, I know a little bit more than he does too, even though he doesn't want to believe that. And so you, you get a bigger, broader perspective. And some of you have been along, alive a little bit longer than I have. And so you have a much broader perspective and you can offer even greater wisdom because of what you see and what you've experienced. And as a dad, I have the opportunity to be able to step back and say, listen, if you follow this course of action, this is going to be the outcome, and this is going to be the outcome, and, and I can tell them where this is going to lead them. But, but that is on an earthly, humanly relationship, and, and my days are very finite and very short at this point, but I recognize that, that God is infinite. He has no beginning. He has no ending, and he steps back from the eons of time, and he can say, listen, this is going to be your end. This is your beginning, and he can see much greater and much better than I can. And listen, I just recognize and I, that if I can know a little bit more than my children, maybe God knows a whole lot more than me. Amen? Maybe in this moment, instead of trying to manipulate God and his will, I just say, God, I'm going to trust you. Isn't it funny how we sometimes tries to try to finagle God? We try to say, all right, God, if you'll do this, I'll do this. Instead of trusting in God, instead of just saying, Lord, I'm going to believe you completely, and I'm just going to walk and follow your path, whatever direction you have for me. Instead of doing that, oftentimes we say, well, you know, I'll work a deal with you. God says, trust me. Believer, he, he's the good father. He's going to give you what's good. And I'm thankful that as, as a Christian, I can put my trust completely in him. Margaret, Margaret Clarkson, who was a hymn writer, uh, she said this. The sovereignty of God is one of the most, is one of the, excuse me, is the one impregnable rock to which the suffering human heart must cling. The circumstances, circumstances surrounding our lives are no accident. They may be the work of evil, but that evil is held firmly within the mighty hand of our sovereign God. All evil is subject to Him, and evil cannot touch His children unless He permits it. God is the Lord of human history and of the personal history of every member of His redeemed family. How vital right now that we can say, Lord, we trust in You. Let Your moderation be made known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. I'm not going to go further tonight. I want, to, I want to just stop there, and I want you to just remember these two things. Think with praise, think with poise. We're going to build on this next week as we continue back in, in the Scriptures, but I just want to encourage us, let God have control of your thoughts. And it is possible, and as we get to the end of this, this, uh, this, sec this message, we will find that, that God has a plan for our thoughts and how we ought to filter those thoughts. And God has a, a desire for what we ought to think about. And listen, you may be struggling with, with uh, just the stress of pressure of everything going on around you. And I just call you back to the Lord and just thank God and praise Him in this moment. And I call you back to this place where you can trust in God's plan, even, even if it's something that just seems totally absurd. How in the world can I thank God for this trial? Listen, it's time to come back to the Lord and say, God, I thank you for it. I don't know what you're doing, but I trust and believe that you've got my good in, intended here.